Well, amen and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here. My name is Josh, preaching pastor at church. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, and we'll be reading the first 11 verses of Proverbs chapter 2. And as you're turning there, um, indeed, I am, if you didn't know, I am going on sabbatical, uh, which means I'll be out of the pulpit for six weeks here, and I am super excited about that. I am. I love y'all, but I'm really, really excited to be away, uh, to be with Jesus, to be refreshed, to spend time with Danielle, spend time with our kids. It's been an amazing 14 years since we started the church in my basement. Um, It's time for a break. Amen? It's time for a break. And I'm and I'm excited about the break. And, and honestly, you're getting me on a very unique weekend because it is a holiday weekend. And I'm not in the pulpit for the next six weeks. So if any sermon could stink, this is the sermon to make it stink. Because y'all can be like, oh, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. I don't really care. You know, like I'm gone for like seven weeks. I don't care what you say about this sermon. It'll be in ancient history in your memory seven weeks from now when I come back. But uh, it won't stink by God's grace. It'll be good. Uh, For those of you who are members of our church, I just want to tell you three things as I go on sabbatical. Uh, The first thing I want to just encourage you and admonish you towards is to be faithful. Okay, be faithful. Um, Keep showing up. Keep walking with Jesus. Keep showing up to church. Keep being involved um, if you're in the sand volleyball league, you know, keep winning, all right, whatever you got to do this summer, be faithful. Uh, secondly, step up. Okay. If you are here and you're a member of this church, there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity to step up into gaps, into needs, into being a blessing to others. And so I would encourage you to step up and, and really lean into that. And third, um, I would encourage you to enjoy God, enjoy the Lord and our pastors. Uh, We have a great group of pastors. We have a great staff here at church. You're going to hear all the pastors in rotation preaching. Enjoy their voices, okay? And and if you want to, you know, make Andy laugh or feel weird after service, you can say, Andy, I really enjoy your voice, you know, when he preaches. Like, I really enjoy your voice. Pastor told me to enjoy your voice. But it's so good for a congregation to hear other voices from the Word of God. Amen? It's really good to not lean on one voice all the time. You need good, godly shepherds, and you have that here at church. So embrace that, lean into that, enjoy God, enjoy the pastors, and uh, we are looking forward to being refreshed and re-energized and back with you in mid-July. So praise the Lord, and thank you, church, for giving me the opportunity to be on sabbatical. Thank you. Um, God's Word, Proverbs chapter 2. We're reading verses 1 through 11, starting in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding and you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield 
to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your good grace. We are so undeserving. We are so sinful and wicked, and yet you have chosen to love us. You have chosen to reveal your son, Jesus, to our hearts and our minds. And we come thankful this morning for the forgiveness that is in Jesus, for the new life that is in Jesus. For the way the Spirit of God is at work in our hearts, we come full of joy. Not because our circumstances are awesome all the time, but because you are so good. So good. So Lord, I pray for every person here that you might give us a dose, maybe a shower, maybe a drenching with your wisdom this morning. Our hearts are naturally foolish. And so, Lord, we need wisdom more than we know. Our culture needs wisdom. Our churches need wisdom. We, as Christians, need wisdom. And, Lord, those who have walked in folly for many years and have never known the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ, unbelievers need wisdom as well. So, God, would you bless your word? Thank you for the reading of it. Thank you for the hearing of it. And, Lord, may we rejoice in it now. In Christ's name, amen. So we're beginning this new summer series in the book of Proverbs, and it's called Solomon's Wisest Words. Solomon's Wisest Words. And so for the next six weeks, we will be digging into some of the greatest excerpts out of the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs um, mainly talks about how to have wisdom and how to be a wise person and live wisely. So my, my sermon, the title this morning is this, The If and when of wisdom. The if and when of wisdom. So if you are unfamiliar with the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is filled with principles, not promises. Okay? Proverbs is filled with principles, not promises. So if you read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to get a bunch of pithy wisdom statements for your life. You're going to get a lot of short, really quick advice things. And these are principles of truth, not promises of truth, okay? So if you're reading Proverbs, don't take it word for word and and land it in your own life and say, God will always or God will never when I read the book of Proverbs. Here's a famous illustration, maybe the most famous example in Proverbs is Proverbs 22.6. Some of you have quoted this to your kids. You've quoted this to other parents when you're sitting there talking Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. How many of you have read that before? Lots of you. Okay. So that is a principle, not a promise. Generally speaking, if you train up a child in the way they should go, generally speaking, they won't right, leave that path. Now, are there examples to the contrary of that verse? All God's people said, amen. Amen. 
You can raise your kids beautifully. You can, you can pour the word into them. You can love Jesus. You can get them to church all the time. And there are examples of boys and girls who become men and women who are atheists. They just are. Not because they weren't trained or parented well, but because this is a principle, not a promise. Now, there are also other examples of people who grew up pagan, no Jesus, no Christianity, nothing, and all of a sudden, God reaches out by grace into their lives and pulls them out of the muck and and mire of sin and makes them a champion, man or woman, for the sake of Christianity. That happens too. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you read Proverbs, you have to understand these are principles, not promises. So as you read the book of Proverbs, uh, the word proverb literally means to be like. So it's a book of comparisons. If you're reading the book of Proverbs, you're going to get a lot of comparisons like this is like this and this is like this. And they're word pictures that go in your mind. You're like, oh, that's helpful for me to not just read the word. I can see that in my mind and I can apply it to my own life. So many scholars will say that Proverbs 1.7 is the purpose statement of the book of Proverbs and they would not necessarily be wrong. Okay, Proverbs 1.7 says this, the fear of the Lord or the reverential awe of the Lord is the beginning of what class? Wisdom. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it's the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. That's kind of the theme verse of the book. And so what is wisdom anyway? What is wisdom? Well, wisdom is literally skill or shrewdness or prudence. So in chapter 1, verse 2, the word wisdom literally means skill like an architect. This is a Tim Hunsaker Hebrew word. Amen? So Tim is an architect. He's designing things all over the world, hospitals and classrooms and all this stuff, and churches in the middle of small towns like Des Moines, Iowa, right? And this is skill and architect. Like Tim has a lot of skill to design things, right? A wise person designs their life in such a way that it is skillful. Like they're, they're doing it on purpose. Life is happening on purpose. That is what wisdom literally means. So wisdom then is the skill of applying knowledge effectively. So according to the dictionary, wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is right or true or lasting. Eugene Peterson, the great pastor, said this, wisdom is the art of living skillfully in whatever circumstances we happen to find ourselves in. So wisdom is the art of living skillfully, living with skill. That is a wise person. Now, wisdom is not only knowing what to do, because that's knowledge, but there's a lot of people with a lot of knowledge who are idiots. Can I get an amen? There's a lot of people who know a lot of things that are fools. They live really, really foolishly. Even though they've read all the books and they know all the things and they know all the facts, nothing is worse than a know-it-all who makes bad decisions. Because that is a possibility. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is greater than knowledge. Wisdom is knowing what to do, but also how to do it. Wisdom is knowing how to do it and when to do it. Have you ever done something on the the bad timing, you know? world where you're just like, oh, that was the right idea. Terrible timing, right? Yeah, that's, that's a lack of wisdom, all right? Now, 
not only do we need to know when to do it, but a wise person knows who to partner with to do the thing. So if you're wise, you not only know what to do, but you know when to do it, how to do it, and with whom to do this project, right? So let's get this out of the way as well. We're all a bunch of fools, amen? Every single one of us, we're like, oh yeah, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. You know what? We are just a bunch of fools. Our sin nature bends us a certain way and it's not towards wisdom. We are bent in our sin nature towards foolish living. And you don't have to live in this world very long to look around you and to look inside of you and say, we're a bunch of fools walking around. We make really bad decisions a lot. So therefore, there's not one righteous person in here. There's not one person in here who's like, practically, I always get it right. No, you don't. Your sin nature is going to twist you toward the foolish decision or the foolish thing. And it's just a part of who you are and it's who I am as well. Okay, so when I first got saved in 1999, I became a Christian Three weeks after my conversion, I'm 17, almost turning 18, and my mentor says, Josh, here's the first reading assignment you're going to get as a Christian. Okay, what's that? The book of Proverbs. So at the age of 17, I, had, I start getting schooled on the book of Proverbs, and I was like, wow, this is a really interesting book. Because not only does it tell me what to do, it tells me a lot of practical things not to do. And at 17 years old, you need to be told all the things not to do. Amen? You, just to save yourself some pain, the book of Proverbs is there for you. And so one of the things that, I was, that came into my heart as I studied Proverbs is at 17 and 18 years old was, God, give me wisdom. I have no idea what I'm doing. At 18 years old, it was one of the greatest prayers I ever prayed. And I haven't really stopped studying Proverbs since then, 22 years later, and I haven't really stopped praying that prayer. God, give me wisdom. Have you ever had an opportunity in your life where you don't know if it's a huge distraction or a huge opportunity? For sure. That happens to us all the time. That happened to me this last week. Like a big conversation happened, something massive, and I walk out and I go on a prayer walk and I'm like, God, give me wisdom because this is either the biggest distraction of all time or this is one of the greatest opportunities of all time. You have to ask God for wisdom. Now, if you are here and you're a recent graduate of high school or college, I just want to encourage you, maybe this is a prayer you can start praying. As a young person, you can start praying, God, I don't know what to do, but give me wisdom. Give me the wisdom to know what to do next. Because you're going to have, if you're a young person, you're going to have all these forks in a road and you need to know which path to go down. And I'm just telling you as a young person, please pray this prayer in your life. Amen? Please pray this prayer. God, give me wisdom. And for all the old people in the house, it wouldn't do us any harm to pray that either. Amen? Wouldn't do us any harm. Our current world desperately needs more wise people. Um. As wicked sinners, I'm telling you, we need real help in our culture today because foolishness is just abounding moment by moment, second by second, minute by minute, and our little uh, gadgets, our little devices are really just foolishness displays often where we just say what's on our mind, we don't think it through, and we display the foolishness that many people thought we had anyway. So here's the big idea. Here's where we're going with the text. If we're going to be wise, 
and live wisely and get all that we should get out of the book of Proverbs for the next six weeks, we must understand the process of wisdom. We must understand the process of wisdom. Wisdom is not just given. Sinful humanity, you don't just automatically become wise because you're living and breathing and you survived X amount of years. Many humans are walking around the earth right now saying, I have survived. I've lived this long. I am wise. No, you are not. Not necessarily. Wisdom comes with life experience, yes, but it also comes by a conditional process called the Word of God and God's process for wisdom. So there's a conditional process to wisdom. It's an if and then process. If you do this, then God will do that. If you pursue this, God will then do that. And so we are going to look at the if and then process of wisdom. So the question that we're going to answer this morning is, what do I need to understand if I'm going to be a wise person? We're going to see three conditions of wisdom. Condition number one is this, understand the if of your responsibility. If you're going to really embrace wisdom and be wise and live wisely, you must understand the if of your responsibility, verses one through four. My son, verse one, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments. Verse three, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice. Verse four, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. Solomon is laying out what he is calling his son, the reader, to experience is this receptive spirit. You must have a receptive spirit and a passionate pursuit if you're going to be a man of wisdom. And Solomon lists out eight requirements or eight commands about attaining wisdom in verses 1 through 4. So here, it's all, the, it's all these action words in verses 1 through 4. If you receive my words... If you treasure up my commandments, if you make your ear attentive to my wisdom, if you incline your heart to understanding, if you call out for insight, you raise your voice for it, if you seek it, if you search for it as hidden treasure, all these requirements, these eight commands, all these activities, you got to receive and search and do all this stuff, all of that hinges on the word if. If is right there in verse one, if in verse three. If, in verse 4, if implies a choice. You have a choice this morning. Do you really want to be wise? Because if you really want to be wise, it is your responsibility to pursue wisdom. The reality of our sinful hearts is that we don't really want to be wise. That's the sad commentary. Did you know in counseling, we talk about this all the time, we do what we do because we want what we want. Perhaps you've heard that. You know what you've done this week? This, you've done exactly what you've wanted to do. Like what you have really wanted, you have made time for it and you've done it. What you've really been passionate about, you have made time for it. And that is exactly what Solomon is addressing. He's saying, if you really want wisdom, you better go do something about that. You better go pursue that. And for many of us, the sad reality of our culture today is that many of us just don't want to be wise. We don't have time for wisdom. We don't have the capacity for wisdom, or at least we tell ourselves that. We would rather turn on a screen than pursue wisdom. 
We would rather pursue what the world tells us we should pursue rather than pursuing wisdom. So the if is a very pregnant word in this passage. If you really want to be wise, do this. If you want wisdom, you'll do some things. You'll change your mind about stuff. So here's the quick list. If you want wisdom, you'll receive. If you want wisdom, you'll treasure the word of God. If you want wisdom, you'll open up your heart. Some of you have had hard hearts in the most recent season of your life. You want to be wise, you got to open up your heart. You got to be vulnerable before God. If you want wisdom, you'll call out for it. How about that? You'll pray about wisdom. God, make me wise. How many of you have spent time this week in prayer asking God to make you wise? I would challenge you this week to do that. Ask God actively, God, would you please make me wise? Would you give me wisdom with this situation, this job, this job situation, this opportunity? Make me wise. If you want wisdom, you'll raise your voice for it. You'll literally ask for it. You'll ask other people to help make you wise. You'll ask God to make you wise. You'll seek it. If you want wisdom, you'll search for it. You'll be on the lookout for wisdom. So this is the if of your responsibility. If you want to be wise, it won't just happen. Wise people don't just turn up out of thin air. If you want to be wise as a Christian, you'd better get on your horse and you better ask God to make you wise. James 1.5 says this, if, you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to him. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son, he gets all of his inheritance. He goes and spends it on foolish living. And you remember where he was when he woke up? He woke up at a pigsty, man. He was just feeding. He was looking at the pig slop and he was like, oh man, if I could fill my stomach with that, I would be so happy. And then he like snaps out of it and he's like, what in the world am I talking about? At that moment, he realized he was the fool. He had spent all of his money on reckless living and foolish living. And he said, if I can just go back to my father, my father is wise. My father is gracious. My father, maybe he'll give me a servant's uh, seat in, in his house. And he came to his senses and he, you know what he did? He didn't just sit in the pigsty and say, well, I hope someday my life will turn around. What did the guy do? He got up out of the pigsty. His mind was changed. He clicked over to a different way of thinking and he got up and he went home. He pursued a new path back to his father. And I would just say that is a great illustration for us. If we want to be wise, we got to wake up and say, God, I got to start pursuing wisdom in ways I have never done before because what's going on around me is, is, is overwhelming me. The anxiety, the worry, the fear, only wisdom can solve that. God, make me wise. And that is the if of your responsibility. The second condition of becoming wise is understanding the then of God's activity. The then of God's activity, verse 5 through 8. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom. The Lord stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. For when the first part of the condition is met, if you pursue wisdom, the second part is the then of God. God will respond to you with blessings. 
all kinds of blessings, blessings that you can't even believe or imagine. If you say, God, I want wisdom, I want this, God will respond with, get ready. I'm about ready to pour out the heavens upon you. And if you are seeking truth, God is eager to make you wise. And that's the good news for you this morning. God wants you to be wise. Amen? He wants this church to be filled with wise people. So if you ask for it, you might, you might be wondering in your heart, will he really make me wise? I'm telling you the word of God right here in verses 5 through 8 says, he will pour out his wisdom on you so much that you might say, ah, that's enough, Lord. That is enough because God has more resources than we have need. Amen? That's the power of Jesus. That's the power of the gospel is that God gives. So Solomon, he lists five blessings that God gives on behalf of those who seek wisdom. Right? The Lord gives wisdom and knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives that. You don't give that. You don't, you don't you know, like birth that out of yourself. God gives wisdom. He stores up sound wisdom. He protects those who walk in integrity. He guards the paths of justice. The Lord watches over the way of his saints. Do you see how God is pouring out? You ask for it, God is pouring out his blessings. So if you seek the wisdom of God, God will bless you actively through Jesus. Psalm 81 verse 10. God says this, Open your mouth wide, for I will fill it. Have you ever read that verse before? Can you picture yourself opening your mouth wide for God and saying, Give me wisdom, and he says, I will fill it. I'm going to fill you up with wisdom more than you've ever known in your life. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, but he does much better than that, very abundantly above all that we ask or think. God's heart, not mine, is the measure of his giving. Not my capacity to receive, but his capacity to give. Amen. Get that thought thoroughly fixed in your mind. I can only receive like a man, but God can give like a God. He does everything divinely, and he certainly makes no exception to his rule when he is dealing with his people. If it is God who is to give, then I can believe in the greatness of the gift, no matter what it may be, for nothing can be too great for him. That's what Spurgeon said. When I was in college, I was a waiter at a restaurant for a time. And it was so funny as a waiter, you're always hearing a lot of things from people and you're always getting tips or getting stiffed or whatever. And I remember like over and over again, one thing that was a common experience as a waiter was people would come in and they were hungry. You know what they would always say? It's just so funny. Like people would say the, the craziest and funniest things. I'm starving. I could eat a horse. As a college kid, I'm sitting there listening to people saying, you could eat a horse? Really? Like a horse. Why, how did that become a phrase? Maybe someone can look that up and send it to me. How did that even become a phrase? I could eat a horse. Or, or I'm starving. Is, and one guy came up to me one day. He's like, hey, hey, young man, you got enough food in that kitchen? <laughs> I, I don't know, pal, do we? I, I think so. So like there would always be these things. People would just like, they'd start looking at the food with their eyes and their eyes are bigger than their stomach. And I'm just going to eat this and order this. And Jerry, don't order so much food. Be quiet, woman. This is what I want, you know. And like they would just order like way too much food. We'd bring it out. And you know what happened every time? At the end of those nights waiting people, people would say, oh, I'm stuffed. I can't, I can't take another bite. If I eat another bite, 
I am just, it's not going to be good. Can you get me a, you know, a travel case, young man? Can you do this? Every single time they would say that. And I'd be like, you know, well, our kitchen staff's still in the kitchen, bro. If you want more, and if you want to give me more money, like we got more food. And I think that is an illustration of how it is with God. We come in, we're like, oh man, I really don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what to do with this decision. I need wisdom. God, can you please? I'm starving for some wisdom. I really need some wisdom. I can eat all that you can give. And God's like, are you ready? Because I'm about ready to pour it on you in such a way where you're like, I got so much wisdom. I got so much stuff from the Lord because this book is a beautiful and big book. Amen? Everything, every single thing you need for life and godliness is right in here. And if you feast on this book, God will shower you down with the blessings of his activity. And so I think that's the second part of what we need to understand. The if of our responsibility, we got to pursue it. But then it's the then of his activity. God just pours out. And finally, the third condition is this, understanding the then of wisdom's fruit. Understanding the then of wisdom's fruit. So it says, verse 9, Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you. When wisdom gets deep into your soul and into your life, you'll get really skilled about processing things. When you ask God for wisdom and he pours it out and you get used to that diet of the word in your life through the Spirit, you will begin to experience the blessings of wisdom, the fruit of wisdom. You'll be able to process things like righteousness, right and wrong. Does our country have a problem with understanding right and wrong? Yeah. Why? Because we're not wise. It's time for us to be humble and say the generations before us were more wise than us. They had more wisdom than us. They, they had more common sense than us. We can understand righteousness and justice, judgment, the justice of God, judgment, righteous laws. We hear a lot about justice these days. That term is getting thrown around all the time in our culture. How do you understand righteousness and justice and equity, which is another word getting thrown around in our culture a lot. Equity, fairness, evenness, smoothness. How do we understand that? Only if you have wisdom, like embedded in your soul, can you understand and interpret the signs of the times of the day. So if we embrace the if of our responsibility, God pours out his wisdom, then the blessings of wisdom will eventually come our way in, in the way that wisdom will be our friend. Wisdom will be our companion, our pal, our buddy. To say, you know what? God has taught me these truths over the years. God has poured it into me and it's just a part of who I am. Wisdom, in verse 10, it says, it'll be in your heart. Wisdom will be embedded inside of you. And when you get wisdom embedded inside of your heart, it will be a beautiful, practical fruit in your life. Don't believe me? Believe James 3.17. It says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Have you ever read that before? The wisdom from above is all of these blessings in your life. When you have been pounded with wisdom for, by the Lord, through his word, by his spirit, you will begin to experience these blessings. Knowledge will come into your soul. 
And then you'll begin to bless those people around you. And my question is this, have you ever met folks who just bleed Bible? Have you ever met folks who just bleed Bible and they bleed wisdom? When you know them, when you meet them, the truth of God has molded them and you know it's molded them. And you want to be around them because it's attractive to you. Because you're like, they have been around longer than me and they have scars. The scars of life are in their lives as well as the wisdom of the scriptures. A lot of people have scars of life, but they don't have the wisdom of scripture to go with the scars. Does that make sense? Which means they hang out more in other places rather than churches. But some people have scars and they also have the wisdom of the scripture. And then they also have the joy of the Holy Spirit. And when you see those people, you latch on and you latch on close and tight for a long time because those people will feed you and help you become more wise. Um, two illustrations here, and then we'll close it up. One, Danielle and I, uh, seven or eight years ago, we found a couple. We were kind of in the raising the young kids stage. I guess we're still in that stage. <laughs> thought that would land a little better, but yeah, we're still, we're still um, parenting little ones. So we, we found a couple that was about 25 years ahead of us, and we approached them and we said, hey, we're, we're young and we need wisdom. Would you please meet with us once a month for a year? And they were like, oh my goodness, are you serious? And we're like, yeah, we're dead serious. We have no idea what we're doing. And for the next year, that couple poured into our lives and taught us so many wonderful things that we didn't know. And to this day, Danielle and I look back at that year and we say, what a, what a year that was for us to grow as parents. And some of you, as couples, you need to do that. You need to seek out someone who's in a stage ahead of you or two stages ahead of you and say, look, I don't know you super well, but I know you're further down the road than me and you love Jesus, can you please meet with me or meet with us as a couple and show us what we are missing because you have wisdom. That's one example. The second one is a member of our church who just turned 96 this week, John Lineberry. If you don't know John, you really need to get to know him. He normally sits right over here with Dana and Tom. But John is not with us this morning because he's dealing with some sickness stuff, but he turned 96. And if you know John, like you know when you've met John. Because John has been a pastor for 50 plus years in multiple states. He's, he's been there, done that, got the t-shirt about pastoring. And when he comes up to you, you just know that you better perk your ears up. You know what I'm saying? Like you just know when you meet these people. And he comes up to you and he'll just, normally he'll come up to me like, pastor, and he'll do this with his finger. And I'm like, yes, sir. Coming, sir. And then, and then he'll put his hand on my shoulder, and every time he'll, he'll come up with either a joke or a quotable, wise, pithy statement. And I just, every time when it's a joke, I'm like, okay, good. I can laugh, you know? When it's a pithy statement, I'm like, listen up, take notes. But then John just recently, he, he had a book out two weeks ago. And he said, hey, this is a book about World War II. And I'm like, World War II book? Bro, okay. I'm not sure where this is going, but this could be an adventure. 
And he opened up his book, and there's a picture of three soldiers in this World War II history book. And he said, I'm right there. And he pointed to himself in that picture. And he said, we were taking in German soldiers, and we were taking them as captives. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Living history. Living wisdom. And I would just say, this is the blessings of wisdom. When you have heard from the word, and you've sought the Lord, and you have a life that, that displays the beauty of Jesus Christ, you will experience this beautiful fruit in the, in not only in your own life, but in the lives of others. John Lineberry is one of those guys, and we have many others like that at church. So I'm, I'm very concerned, obviously, and in prayer about our current, current culture, as many of you are. Hot takes, quick, quick absolute judgments from foolish folks who... They, they rip apart and berate anybody, tear down any person or organization that doesn't agree with me right now. That is the wisdom of our culture, which I would say is absolute folly according to the Bible. And we must be a people of wisdom. We must be a people who pray for our culture to, to know Jesus and to know wisdom. So as we close it up, I, before you make it a life goal to be a wise person, like, okay, I'm going to take this sermon and just be a wise person then. That's what I need to be. Before you become a wise person for wisdom's sake, I want to tell you Proverbs 2 is all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Jesus Christ is wisdom defined. He is. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 says, Christ is the power of God. And Christ is the wisdom of God. You want to be wise? Get Jesus in your life. He is wisdom itself. If you don't know where else to start to be wise, accept Christ into your heart. If you don't know where else to start, make Christ Lord of your life. He will be wisdom for you. He will guard you. He will guide you into all truth because he is wisdom. There is no wisdom apart from Jesus. Jesus is not only wisdom defined, but he is wisdom exalted. Colossians chapter 2 verse 3 says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you could ever discover on this earth are found in Christ. He is exalted wisdom. And so this morning, the wisdom of God is found in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you want to be wise, bow your knee to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're a Christian and you need wisdom for this upcoming season of whatever you're dealing with, bow your knee to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, you're my Savior. Would you please help me through this? Jesus is the wisdom of God if you will seek him. And that is your challenge. The if and then of wisdom, the if of your responsibility, the then of God's activity, and the then of wisdom's fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for this word from Proverbs this morning. Lord, it's been such a good word for me all week. Lord, we are naturally such fools. And yet, Jesus, your good news comes to us this morning because you love to make fools wise, people. You love to turn foolish stories into wisdom stories. You love to exalt your wisdom above the wisdom of man. 
So Lord, I pray that you would make our church wise. Make us wiser. Through the power of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, make us wise people. Lord, for some, would you just put them on a path of pursuing wisdom? Would you click it in their minds, Holy Spirit, that they need to make a decision this morning to start pursuing wisdom with all their heart? I pray specifically over our graduates. Lord, would you give them special wisdom as they move out from high school and college into this world? Lord, would you give them wisdom to make right decisions? And Lord, may you move us into places where we are ready to receive. Lord, we know you have more to give than we can ever receive. So Lord, move us into a place where we're ready to receive your wisdom. Pour it out on us, God. And make us truly wise people that experience the fruit of good decision-making, the fruit of good thinking, so that we might teach the next generation about Christ. So Lord, we give all this to you. Help us to respond in these next couple minutes just by your grace. Through Christ we pray, amen.